Just a quick disclaimer here. This podcast will feature some coarse language. Uh, nothing too graphic or disgusting, but the F-bomb is dropped with abandon. So, without further ado, here's your very first F-bomb. Fuck! Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Mercenary Musician Podcast. All right. Hello. This is Peter Coulter. This is Chad Broussard. And today we want to talk to you about the general mindset you should have when following through with the Mercenary Musician Podcast. Following through with the plan, baby. I'm just thumbing through my journal here. Should we recap from last week? Um, yeah. Yeah, that's a good idea. All right. So last week we basically uh, kind of, it was our intro, it was our first ever Mercenary Musician Podcast. And uh, we kind of, if you missed it, we kind of broke down what exactly Mercenary Musician Method is, uh, who this is for, and of course who it's not for, uh, why you would be here, why you would want to sit down and, and take time to listen to us and, and, and uh, learn the skills that we have to offer to you, and what you can expect to learn from the Mercenary Musician Podcast. So if you haven't listened to that, I suggest checking it out, and uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and get into general mindset yes this is i think some of the more fun stuff to talk about the the kind of nuts and bolts stuff of like here's stuff to say to a crowd and how to respond to certain situations that can be fun too but it's you know a little drier this is like kind of more self-help stuff which is something that is really diving into the self-help and self-improvement literature and material that's out there has been something I've focused on pretty, pretty seriously in the last two years or so. And some of the things that I've extracted from there and been able to put into practice have really, excuse me, have really changed the game for me. And there's a lot of stuff that won't help you (laughs) out there. And there's a lot of stuff that will help you quite a lot. And you can get a really good return on investment from employing some of these things. Um, so yeah, here's pretty much, uh, a lot of this episode is going to be just taking self-help stuff and, and self-improvement ideas and productivity ideas that I have sort of sifted through and, and found the ones that have had the biggest, fastest impact, uh, in my music career, um, specifically, you know, I've, I kind of consider myself having two separate music careers, but what we're talking about uh, when we're on the mercenary musician topic is the bar work, bread and butter, full-time living stuff. Uh, Yeah, so here we go. I think the first, some of this stuff isn't isn't really self-help stuff. It's just kind of obvious. This first point is just uh, the professional mindset. Um... Show up on time. Don't get too drunk. Uh, act like you work there. You are a contracted employee in these situations, but act like you're you work there. Um, you're not staring at your phone. You're not standing in the way. If a customer asks you for something, a you know a person at the bar or a person at their table asks you for something, because and they will sometimes if you look like you work there. That's by the way a good sign that you're in the right mindset. If somebody's like Hey, can you help me with blah, blah, blah? That's good. You should look like you work at these places. Um, helping them. If you don't know the answer to something, you can and, and you can make a joke out of a, a joke out of it. And you can stay in your role. Your uh, that actually kind of segues nicely into treating this as a as a role. But uh, respond to respond to customers if you don't know something in your role as the musician who's working there. You know, I actually don't know the answer to that question, but one of these servers can, I'll, I'll get a server for you. Or you can make a make a little joke out of it. You know, it's kind of a cheesy waiter joke, but these work in these scenarios. Oh, that's, uh, I'm sorry, that's way above my pay grade, but I'll, I'll get somebody to help you with that. The way above my pay grade joke is just the perfectly self-deprecating cliche joke that you can use um, for a lot of, lot of situations, actually. All right, so there's a, kind of the professionalism thing in a nutshell. Oh, here's another another little bit of professionalism that I think is 
it's sort of like a little bit of a, of a life hack kind of as a musician here. When you get service from your bartenders and your servers, and you'd think everybody would do this, but they don't. Tip them for their service. You're probably getting drinks for free or a meal for free or half off or something. You should tip your bartenders and servers. They'll oftentimes the first time you do it, you should definitely do it the first time you work with them, the first few times you work with them. And, you know, if you kind of get to a point where you feel like they're actually not doing that much service wise, they're just putting in your order and letting it come out and not even telling you it's there kind of thing. That's fine. You don't have to tip them every single time. But if you, you know, tip them every once in a while, tip them every second time. And if they're doing work every time, like if they're actually taking good care of you, like you're a customer, tip them appropriately. 20% minimum on uh, on, on good service, on the full bill. If you're getting half off, tip them on the full thing. Or a little extra. These This type of behavior will pay off for you long term. The manager, if they're not there, will ask the bartenders and servers how you did. If the bartenders and servers liked you, which they're a lot more likely to if you fucking tip them... <laughs> they'll say, hey, they're good. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about the work ethic. Okay. Yeah, that's a good... That's a good um, a good second one to talk about here. The work ethic and self-improvement aspect of these things. I mean, it, that comes down to... You could almost put that just into one word, which is practice. And that's... I, I wouldn't I wouldn't approach that from like a practice-first standpoint. I'd approach it from a, from a goals-first standpoint. Uh, and what I mean by that is... Think about where you want to go. Think about the money you want to make. Think about the type of appreciation you want to get at these gigs. Think about the type of leverage you want to have when booking and asking for raises or asking for a, a, a price that you would be happy with taking home. Think of all those things, all those places you want to go, and then think about what you need to do to get there. And it's practice. You know, frankly, they, I, I'll give you a shortcut if you if you need it. The answer to that is, in large part, to practice more. Um, You know, and that's, that's how I think of it. Every time I'm sitting at home practicing, I'm like, this is part of my job. This is going to make me money. And it does. It pays off. Um, how often do you practice per day? I practice every every day. Well, uh, really once a day, maybe twice. It depends. I, I I try to lean into the things that are exciting to me at, at the moment. And right now, I'm really enjoying playing the keyboard. I got a brand new keyboard that I'm just in love with, and I play it every day for at least a half hour. And it just that that in particular doesn't really feel like practice uh, because I love it so much. It's just so much fun. But uh, guitar feels like practice. Vocal practice feels like practice. Um, and I have honestly been a little bit slacky on those, but. Um, you know, it's it's in it's in my habit, my habit formation, which is another. This kind of leads me into uh, another mindset thing, which was maybe one of the most helpful self help things. Uh, the book is Atomic Habits by James Clear, and actually, we we may do an episode at some point where we like review some of these books that have been very helpful for for me in my career. This is one of them, uh, Atomic Habits by James Clear. I listen to a lot of this stuff and it just is very, uh, very useful app for me. I highly recommend that. Maybe we'll do an affiliate link with them at some point, but check out audible. And, uh, especially if you're doing this full time, you're driving around a lot for gigs. I drive probably on average an hour a day, maybe. Um, so yeah, podcasts are, we'll, we'll be recommending a lot of good podcasts for you as far as this kind of like ongoing continuing education continuing education yeah yeah um anyway so habit formation and thinking of habits as a structure that you can create uh that was that is really valuable for me and starting small with habits building them up like i said i've kind of gotten out of i just got back from a vacation so my habit structure has kind of been eroded a little bit but uh i'm I know how to get back into my good habits, and that's little by little. Let's just take tiny little steps and do them every day and build on them. And that has definitely changed my life big time in the last couple of years. Now, while we're on the topic of uh, educating yourself, 
uh, should you be educating yourself further on how you should sing and, and speak to a crowd and, and your playing skills? Like what, uh, what do you suggest for kind of continuing to educate yourself musically? Yeah. I mean, and that's honestly part of the reason why we're putting together this course in this podcast, the mercenary musician is because there's not a whole lot of good, like super actionable, easy stuff specifically designed for bar musicians, for musicians who play out in bars, restaurants, clubs. Um, I didn't, I, I'm kind of like filling, a, uh, we're kind of filling a, a need here that, that I perceived. I looked for something that was this specific to what I'm doing and I couldn't find anything. So I said, well, let's just make it. So that's part of what we're doing here. Honestly, this is short, short answer is stick with us and we'll be this kind of specific self-help continuing education material that's specifically for talking to an audience, uh, stage, stage presence, things like the, how to look, how to, how to dress even to an extent. I mean, you're obviously going to go within your own style here, but there, there are things to think about. Yeah. Crocs and, and athletic shorts. Perfect. That's, that is fit for every occasion. Um, I hope you can detect the sarcasm there. But, um, anyway, so uh, yeah, listen to listen to us. Basically, um, we'll we'll definitely have an episode coming up that is specifically like here are like the ten quick tips for talking to an audience and getting an audience comfortable with you that type of stuff. Um, my ten favorite. We're gonna do lists like this because they're fun for me. You know, 10 favorite jokes or uh, jokes slash banter for, you know, Mm -hmm. for an audience. Stuff that I, you know, stuff that's kind of canned, but that you can pull out of the can and fit to the audience as as you go. Um, That stuff is really great because just totally improvising everything from the very top brand new every time is hard. And you're going to end up with a lot of garbage. You know, and you're going to end up sounding awkward and like you don't know what you're doing. So, I mean, comedians, for instance, that whole thing is that it's almost verbatim. They're they're stand up act. That's not like it feels like it's improvised. It feels like they're kind of coming up with it on the fly, but they're not. They are delivering it on the fly. Mm -hmm. There's a little bit of kind of creative movement in there, but it's all written beforehand and. And rehearsed. And rehearsed. And you don't have to be quite that rehearsed to do this, but, I mean, it, it honestly can't hurt. You could rehearse it all the way down to the T, and just like a comedian does, and it it wouldn't hurt your show, I don't think. Um, there's still always going to be this improvisational feel to something that is done live. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, kind of off on a tangent, as I as I will. But, uh, that's okay for this. You know, yeah, that's uh, that's the format, I'm told. Welcome to the podcast, motherfuckers. <laughs> uh, let's talk about curiosity. Yes. And developing the mindset of being curious all the time. Yeah, and you're going to find that like a lot of these things kind of overlap with each other. Like The work ethic and the self-improvement and the educating yourself f- folds right in with curiosity. Um, kind of maintaining a curious and active mind about this stuff. It First of all, it will keep it fun. Uh, when someone comes up to you with a request, it will make you want to play it. You know, if you, if you can't, if you don't, if you've never done it before, but you kind of know it. And I highly recommend you err on the side of fumbling through shit. You don't know rather than just saying, no, I can't do that perfectly. So no, that's not the type of job this is. Yeah. You should get the idea of saying no out of your mind. And you'd unless say, it comes to booking once you're at a point where right, you turn away. <laughs> you should try not to say no to the audience, basically, um, as hard as you can. No should be your very last resort. Honestly, I'd never say no. Even when somebody comes up to me and asks me for something I've never heard of before, I don't just say no. Yeah. I say, and I mean, that seems obvious almost, but I don't just say no, and I don't just say, no, I can't do that, sorry even. I'll say, I, I've never heard of that. Typically, I'll try to fake my way through something for you, but like, I have no idea what that is. So, can you give me an idea of what kind of genre? Give me, you know, some idea of something. Like, kind of work with me here. Usually, it's a little kid or, you know, like a sixteen-year-old. They just listen to such vastly different stuff. They found something on TikTok that I, you know. Yeah, you can't play marshmallow on an acoustic guitar. Right. Someone asked for marshmallow, and I was like, I've never even heard of that, and now I have. But you see, yeah. I had, I had no idea what this person was talking about. 
So, and I play to a lot of crowds that are old. I'm in Southwest Florida. I'm in Fort Myers, Cape Coral, Naples. And there's a lot of, a lot of retirees, a lot of snowbirds who are, you know, getting on in years, you know, 70 year old people. I'd say probably the average audience member is 60. If I had to just guess. Yeah. It's good. Um, it's God's waiting room. Yeah. That's what they call it. And I don't mean that. Yeah. It's not, I don't mean that in in an offensive way at all. I, you know, it's truthful. If I were an old person, I would do this. If with money, I do a snowbird thing too. I'm actually kind of considering it honestly in my thirties, um, which we can actually talk about later as career moves. Um, yeah, we, we, we've come to a point where we understand why they do what they do. Absolutely. Yeah, I, Absolutely. I get the snowbird mentality. Uh-huh. It is 100 million degrees down here in September, and it rains at the drop of a hat, pours down, and then stops. And Which, honestly, this is my home. I kind of like the crazy weather. Yeah. But I've grown used to um, I get how... I get why people are scared scared away from it. But uh, anyway, now we're way off on a tangent talking about the weather in Florida. Way out here. Okay, so mindset stuff. We're talking about maintaining a curious mind. So exploring, being curious, and being curious about people. Uh, enjoying people, enjoying learning about them, enjoying talking about them. Think think about what's interesting. Be, being curious about people will, even if you're a psychopath, which I hope you're not, but you know some people are, even if you're a psychopath, acting like you're curious about people will benefit you. It will put money in your pockets. It will make your life easier. Yeah, especially um, in today's day and age. Just everyone's wanting, on their phones. Yeah, you know. trying to make, and that's that's where a genuine connection comes from, is being curious about being genuinely curious about what what somebody's doing, where they're coming from, what they're like. That's how people will people will love that. You'll stand out. You'll stand out, and you know, and I'm not just talking about audience members, even managers, bartenders. Make friends with these people. Be curious about them. Talk to them. Fellow and, musicians. And fellow musicians. Get their stories and be friends. That's how you and network. your life will be better, not just at work, but definitely also at work. You know, So there's going to be some kind of... You're going to hear there's going to be a little bit of this preachy, soapboxy, self-help stuff. And it's just because it has helped me so much and I think it can help everybody. And I'm preaching, baby. I'm yeah. evangelizing for it. You know. Now, along with being curious, uh, it's a good idea to develop the mindset of being kind to everyone you meet. Cause let's be serious. Nowadays, everyone's pissed off over something. Yeah. So be that one person who, you know, just puts a smile on and is kind, considerate, and man, it'll get you so far in life, so far in life with all facets. And it's specifically, it's extremely specific to this particular job where you're a bar musician. You know, imagine you're playing at a bar and somebody starts being a little bit short with you or treats you like a servant, right? And you don't have to take that nearly as much as you do if you're a waiter, for instance. But there's a way to handle it that isn't like pouting and being a little bitch about it. There's a way to handle that that you can still be stern with somebody and still have a smile on and still be kind about it. So I'll I'll do something where I will not allow people to just bark requests at me. And there's a, a way to do that. You know, people just go like, Kenny Chesney. That's a really, a really common one is the pop country people. They just feel so fucking entitled to hearing pop country everywhere they go because that's, they hear it everywhere they go. It's pop music. So pop listeners I find are very entitled to their music because it is everywhere. Cause they it just is cheap and plastic and disposable and it's everywhere. So they're just like, have this for me. Um, you know, it's a, sorry to judge you if you're an avid pop listener, but most musicians I find aren't really big pop listeners. But anyway, um, so somebody barks something at you and, and I, I want to actually just let me touch real, real quick here on what this general point is. I'm calling this kill them with kindness. All right. Yeah. This is the general mindset here. So somebody says, Kenny Chesney, like you're a fucking jukebox that's voice activated and I also, you know, I, I, I might be able to fake my way through a Kenny Chesney song. Um, actually, no, excuse me. That's, that wouldn't be my quick, my initial response. Kenny Chesney, I'll do, I'll make it a little joke with him. I'll go, puh, puh, puh. And they'll look confused like what? Nobody has ever talked back to me like this before. Pleh, pleh, plee, 
please. And they'll go, oh, please, can you play some Kenny Chesney? I'll say, like, yes, I can. And you know, <laughs> you know, and a lot of times the person at their table will be like, ooh, you know, but you're smiling at them, you're laughing with them. And if they're going to be a real big dick about it, then it's time to start ignoring them because they're not a person you want to interact with. Um, but they won't. It's never, that never happens. Mm-hmm. Somebody like continuing to be a, a dick. They, what, what happened was they were drinking. They're at a table with their friends. They're rambunctious and rowdy. They see a musician. A thought crosses their mind. They've had three drinks yeah. and thoughts bleed out of their mouth. And that's just it. It just. Oh, and then you return to put bar- them on the spotlight. And then you put them on the spot and they're like, oh, I'm a person talking to a person in public. You bring them back to reality and you're laughing with them and you're making a joke out of it and it's fine. Yeah. But this is, it's still kind of killing them with kindness. It's like, it's not like saying, it's not ignoring them immediately. It's not saying, excuse me, you don't bark things at me. It's, you know, it's returning, returning the energy a little bit, but with a smile. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So kill them with kindness. Uh, another one is when somebody's really being a dick, just... I'm I'm sorry you feel that way. You know, smile, just smile through it. Um, we'll have an an episode in particular that's about problem audience members and problem. Oh yeah, it's gonna problem, be fun. We'll have problem bar employees too. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> um, um, we'll talk about value. Yeah, um, pretty pretty detailed. This is a good one. Uh, this I, I mentioned in the first episode about how I got started in my first gig where I was like, why am I here? Why are they paying me to be here? Uh, I don't see my value in this place. And I was basically worried every week that they were about to fire me. And I would, wouldn't have even thought about asking for a raise, even though the rate I was getting there is a rate I would no longer work for. Um, like that was that's below my floor now. And I was furthest thing from my mind that I might get a raise. They had me there on a Tuesday night. And this is part of this is just not understanding the, uh, not understanding my value, frankly. Um, I was there on a Tuesday night. Their idea was let's have a musician in here who will bring his friends or bring whatever crowd he might have and build up a non-existent night. And that's just not red flag. It's a, it's just a red, I wouldn't say it's a red flag that these people are like unscrupulous, but it's a red flag that they don't know what they're doing. And it's not its not the end. Of, if you know what you're doing and you can guide a bar owner in the right direction or a manager in, the, in a more positive, fruitful direction, do that. It doesn't have to be a red flag where you just don't work with them anymore. But No, it, but the red flag is the codependency on you to bring in a crowd. The idea that you're – right. The, the idea profit. that you're going to bring in money for, for them for – yeah, in, in any kind of short-term capacity is a red flag for sure. That's a misunderstanding of what you're you're really doing. That's a promoter. You're an entertainer. All right. So I'm not saying you don't advertise your gigs or, or post them on social media. You do that. But no bartender or excuse me, bar owner or manager should expect you to bring a crowd with you to these bar gigs. That's not what this is. Yeah. So we're talking about knowing your value as a mindset. So I didn't really know my value. I was confused as to why they were paying me there. I thought there was I was making, you know, probably three times as much as these servers were probably walking out with 50 bucks. I was making 150 for three hours. Um, and you know, I'd make 20 or 30 bucks in tips, get a free meal and free drinks. And to me, that felt like an amazing, amazing deal. I was like, Oh my God, I'm so lucky to be here. And that gig, I wouldn't even look twice at it now. Um, anyway, uh, so your value really part of your value and you can zoom in and out on this. You can zoom way the fuck out and say, my value to this bar is that I, in the long run, sell more drinks for them, sell more food for them or even further zoomed out, not even selling more shit for them. My value is that I make this place a little cooler, a little better to be a little more happening spot. And that's part of your value. You can think of yourself as almost like the artwork that they put in a, in a place or a higher end chef that a place hires. They don't ask a chef how many friends he's bringing out the chef, the yeah. chef is the draw. The chef, the chef is part of the restaurant's ambiance. The chef is, yeah, part of the ambiance. It's part of the thing that brings you to the place. It's not a specific short term. The chef is promoting this restaurant. Um, the chef is bringing his friends out to eat. Um, you could think of yourself almost like, I don't know, like a cool set of lighting fixtures or whatever, like decoration almost in a place, a living wall, 
Yeah, or or um or like or like a really experienced waiter almost. Like you're the a really nice restaurant hires experienced good wait staff because they want waiters who know about wine or whatever. Small air, something like that. Yeah, yeah, right. So um you're not really a promoter and it, you know, it's cool if you start to build up a following at a place and you will, if you're good. Um, and you, and you place position yourself correctly in the weekly schedule of these restaurants or bars or clubs, you will get a following, a local following of people who were at the bar on Saturday night anyway. And now are coming back twice as often as they would because you're there. <clears throat> um, you're part of the value here is you're making regulars more regular you're making regulars sit longer and eat more and drink more. You're making regulars tell their friends and create more regulars. All good optics. It's it builds from you build momentum from getting in front of eyeballs, not from that that's what I was not understanding and what these owners weren't understanding about the Tuesday night thing. You don't put it on a empty hole crater in your schedule and say I hope this builds from here. You put a a good thing in front of the people who you've already got there and you build on them. Um, so that's what your value is. Your value is you are there helping people relax at the bar. And in the end you're helping sell drinks in the long run, not like tonight necessarily my first night there, they're going to see. Here's the thing is they may not see you're kind of a long-term play here. You need to build up. If, if a place doesn't have live music at all already, then you need to build up. If a place does have live music already, then they probably understand what the fuck they're doing Mm -hmm. and they just have live music there, rain or shine, no matter what, because they want to be the place that has live music and that their customers can count on having live music. Um, If they don't, if you're the first live music that this place has had, which I was in this particular case, they didn't know what they were doing. I kind of didn't know what I was doing. Um, Then it'll be there might be a little more sales involved and this is again, this will be another podcast episode where we're talking about the different entries into these gigs. If you're starting a place off with live music, which I honestly, I don't really recommend you try to do very much, but it's, it's definitely, it's something I have done and it has worked. Um, and especially with places that have like an entertainment budget suddenly out of nowhere, that's, that's kind of a different thing. But, um, yeah, I. But anyway, I'm, I'm getting a, again off on a tangent, but I think uh, I think that the I lost my train of thought. Well, we, you had you had mentioned something to me in the past how uh, you basically your business the business to business concept. Mm-hmm. You care to elaborate on what exactly that is? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah, so you're you can kind of zoom out. It, 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 this loops in a little bit with knowing your value. So what what is your business? What are you doing? And this is something that was in a productivity kind of self help book that I read. Is thinking about what is it that we do and defining that in different ways. Um, and bigger companies do this by they'll have a meeting and they'll say, "What do we do?" to somebody, and they'll answer, "Okay, we sell iPhones." Okay, you, what do we do? Um, and it can't be the same answer. And you can't have everybody go around in a circle and say, we sell iPhones. We sell Androids. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we sell iPhones. The next guy has to say, um, we make people feel cool. The next guy says, uh, we make, uh, I don't know, the world a more connected place. You know what I mean? So they're zooming in and out and they're, um, thinking of what they do in different ways. And you can do that with your, with your business here as a solo bar musician. That's what perspective telescoping. Perspective telescoping, right. That's how, I, I don't know if I invented that term, but that's like basically what it is, is perspective telescoping. You zoom in and out on certain questions like, what do I do? Okay, I play acoustic covers in local restaurants, bars, and clubs. Or you can zoom out or you can say, I affect other businesses' bottom line in the long run. Or you could zoom in a little bit from there and say, I help restaurants make more money. Or you could zoom in in further you can zoom all the way in and say i make individuals in restaurants happy by playing covers that they ask for and you can zoom all the way in and out and think about all these different things that you do and what your business really is and uh one way to think of that i think one very valuable way to think of that is you're a business to business a b2b Mm -hmm. type of business you're selling your business 
Peter Coulter Inc. And you're selling your services to another business, a restaurant or a bar or a country club or what have you um, to help them somehow. All right. Maybe, and maybe it's not to make money. A lot of times I'll do private parties. That's not what, that's a little bit of a different thing. That's a business. It's kind of a different idea. It's a business to individual, I guess, a business to person Mm -hmm. business, right? Um, I'm selling my services. Now I'm a different guy. I'm not exactly, I'm still doing the same job in the sense that I'm still making individuals happy by playing covers that they ask for. And I'm still entertaining an audience, but I'm not really. Garnered tips. Uh, and, oh, well, it depends. Private events, I often won't put out a tip jar uh, and they'll just kind of like yeah, palm you a $100 yeah. bill anyway. Yeah. Um, I charge more for private events partly for that reason. Um because tips are, even if you do put out a tip jar, first of all, it looks a little tacky at a private yeah, party. Yeah. Um, but even if you do, you're not going to make as much because people are at a private party thinking I'm at a party. I'm not at a bar tipping a musician, right? Yeah. Um, anyway, so when you're doing that, you're selling your services to an individual, generally on behalf of other individuals, right? So they're, they're throwing a party for somebody and they wanted music. Um, it's a slightly different thing you're doing, but... When you're working in a restaurant, you are helping another business make money. Um, honestly, even private parties can sometimes have that aspect to them where it's like a business owner taking his employees out for a private party. I've had that happen before where like a, a developer, uh, I mean, developers in Florida, notoriously deep pocketed. So this, you know, this guy was wealthy, had just finished a big subdivision he, d- he did and he wanted to take his business partners out. He rented out a bar, so he had seen me in a bar, liked me, got my business card, called me up, asked me for a private event, and I, frankly, I undercharged him. <laughs> they, uh, which it turned out to be okay. All of his friends tipped me like several hundred dollars in cash. You know, like I mean, I ended up making over a thousand bucks on this gig, two-hour gig. Um, and, it, and if I'd been a drinker, I would have had free drink. It would have been like I was at the party, you know. Mm-hmm. And I did eat with them and all that. Um, it was ten people, you know. So. There can be aspects of this where it's fuzzy, where it's like, okay, is this a business to personal thing or is this a business to business thing or is it kind of both? This was kind of both. You know, I was helping this guy look good to his business partners. Mm-hmm. Um, so <clears throat> that you can fill all kinds of different roles here, um, you know, within the same within the same area, but they're different, slightly different goals and you can think about it that way. This guy wanted to hear a Beatles song and like I wanted to make him look cool. That was part of my job there and I knew that going in. I was like, I kind of try to ask what the fuck I'm doing, you know, when someone hires me, when someone hires me for especially sure. something brand new, Taylor, like what's going on? You guys, what are you, what kind of, you got people here? What kind of music do they like? What do you have any, a lot of times I'm charging a lot for these private events more than I was charging that guy. Again, I said, I undercharged him still charging him more than I charge any bar gigs, mind you. But I still felt like the guy felt like he was stealing. It was part of the reason why he threw me hundreds of dollars extra. Yeah. So I asked for a little bit of Intel. I'm charging a lot for these gigs So I'll often ask, like, would you like me to learn a couple songs? Are there a couple songs you've always wanted to hear? Or I know you heard me at a bar. Is there something you heard at that bar that you really liked? Mm -hmm. Uh, And this guy loved that I did Blackbird. So I did that. I ended up doing that one twice (laughs) in the course of the night. And I I picked out a couple more Beatles songs that had that kind of acoustic that I could do a finger-picking thing feel to. And I, I didn't, like, go out of my way and memorize these songs just for this guy, but I... I've got a chord chart app, which we'll definitely try to get an affiliate link for because I can't recommend it highly enough. Yeah. I got a chord chart app that I can fake my way through chords and, and new songs up with. So I, I pulled them up on that. I just brushed up on them. So I'd have like four or five of these preloaded and I just fucking blew this guy away by, Oh, how about yesterday? And the guy's like, yeah, Oh my God, yesterday. And doing a version that was kind of the similar feel to the blackbird thing where there's a finger picking thing going on and they fucking loved it. And I was just like, I made bank going above and beyond. Yeah. And just slightly you go, you know, an extra 10 feet and people feel like you went an extra mile. Yeah. Uh, over deliver. Yep. Uh, it's this, uh, idea of going wide, not deep. Yeah. So this is something that is a distinct, a distinctly, uh, distinctly different. That's kind of redundant, but it's a, it's very distinct from, what you're doing if you're doing an original music career thing, which I am, by the way. Um, and we're going to talk 
in depth about how I balance these things out and why this is such a good situation for uh, for an original artist as well. I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. I don't want to play cover bar gigs for the rest of my life. I don't plan on it. Um, it'd be nice if I could stop doing them next year. I don't think, excuse me, I don't think I'll be able to completely, but I may be able to transition sort of like I did out of the waiting tables thing. I was waiting tables three days a week and playing two gigs a week. And then I, at a certain point, I just took the leap of faith, quit the restaurant job and hoped I'd be able to, the parachute would deploy before I hit the ground kind of thing. Um, and it did, it worked out great. And I had a good chunk of savings and some good support. We'll talk about all this stuff, um, about how to navigate these, these particular paths. It's very distinct from an original career. When you're doing an original career and you're writing original music, you're looking for a, a like a thousand rabid fans, right? You want, uh, if you can find a thousand people and there's a, a great essay about this called uh, a thousand true fans, which I'll, we'll maybe link in the show notes here. This is referenced a lot in, um, uh, in a lot of the self-help stuff, a thousand true fans. If you can get a thousand true fans. And again, we're talking about original stuff here. We're not talking about mercenary musician stuff. We're talking about your original music career, which we won't dive too deeply into on this podcast, but it's for another, another podcast. Probably. Um, you're looking for a thousand true fans. If you can get a thousand fans and you're a solo guy like myself, you get a thousand fans who are willing to pay just a hundred dollars a year on your merch and your music and your concerts you're making a six-figure revenue a year as a solo original artist, which is sick. That's like totally doable. Even with all, even if your expenses are half that, which they won't, shouldn't be. You're you're making fifty grand a year. You're making a full-time living doing original art. That's amazing, and that's kind of my goal eventually. Okay. But with the, um, with the mercenary musician stuff, the bar work, the country club gigs, the, you know, the cover stuff. You want to go wide and not deep. And the reason for that basically is for for tips. You want uh, for tips and for the general health of the audience you're, you're, you're serving. So you're being served an audience, really, um, in these cases. You're not finding your own audience like you are in this deep original stuff. You're being served an audience and you want to make them all like uniformly happy, mm-hmm. pretty much. You don't want to like... If I'm sitting in the crowd and there's a musician and I'm sitting there eating my sandwich and a musician gets set up, starts playing, and he does an hour of pop country music, I'm going to be irritated, I'm right? I'm not going to I'm not going to tip him. I'm not going to clap for him. I'm not going to even pretend I see him, right? And I'm a musician, right? I, you know, I may clap once. I may I may still tip honestly because I just understand, but I if I'm a regular person, <laughs> I'm definitely not tipping this dude. I'm definitely not clapping for this dude. I fucking hate what he's doing. I hate every song he's played. It sounds like garbage. Fuck you. Get away from me. Why are you doing this to me? Right? You're forcing one specific genre on a large, diverse group of people. And to the extent that you can figure out, you can generalize this group. Like if you're looking across at a sea of white heads and 10 people have said, I want Frank Sinatra, you can narrow it down. You don't have to go so wide. Um, but you want everyone in the crowd. My motto here is you want everyone in the crowd to look up at some point and go, Oh, I like this song at least once. That's where tips come from. If you make a dollar to $5 from every single person in the audience, which I'm not going to bullshit you, you're not gonna, but you want the people who tip, which are going to be all different genre listeners, the people who tip, you need them to look up and go, Oh, I like this once. All right. So you're going to play classic country, classic rock, blues, little bit of reggae, a little bit of jazz, a little bit of folk music, a little bit of, you know, soul music. And you're going to want to be able to, to narrow your audience down. If you see the audience freak out when you like love it, when you do some classic country and say, okay, well that went well. Yeah. You got to adjust on the fly and say, and do another one, you know? And if they start kind of losing interest, try to figure out what they're going to like yeah. again. You're going to try to please as many of these people as you can and you'll make more tips and you'll make audiences happier and you'll make people stick around and buy more drinks longer and you'll make people tell their friends about this place that had this live music at it and you're going to make managers and bartenders and servers happy and you're going to never want for work that's how it goes baby and there's make them happy great literature out there on how to read a room yes there is which i don't 
really know much of, but we can uh, definitely, definitely I have some stuff upstairs. Uh, yeah. Okay. Chad's got some stuff upstairs. I actually have never looked at any of this. And so we're going to segue back for just a minute into curiosity, educating yourself and self-improvement work ethic. I'm going to get these books from Chad and I'm going to fucking read them because I'm curious what they say. Um, not just so I can relay it to you, but so I can use it in my own business. Mercenary yeah. musician, man, I'm trying to make that money. There's so many different aspects of this that can uh, translate to everyday life and and in business. And aside from this, if you you know if you end up deciding to do something else, you know a lot of these skill sets that you're going to learn or you're going to continue to learn and build over time, you're going to be able to use in all facets of your life. So it's not like you're wasting your time listening to us if you're, you know, if you're not 100% set on this. You're going to learn something regardless if it's music or not. Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. I mean, look, what I'm doing right now is part of my general mindsets from my music career. Educate yourself. Be curious. Know your value. What are you bringing to the table? Um, perspective telescoping. What do I do? Okay, well, now I'm educating people about how to make more money playing music. You know, I'm, I was curious. I was thoughtful. And I'm flexible and I want to provide value to people and I'm looking for where I can do that partly because it's just fun and I'm not going to fucking lie to you mercenaries right in the name partly to make some fucking money yeah I, I want money because money will make me more free to do the things I want to do more you know so let's let's do this let's, together let's do it let's make some fucking money baby and be free um oh yes so actually we had one more thing didn't we a couple more. Well, we so we have we can reiterate this one. I think this is a major one. The goals and goal setting everything. here, uh, especially when you're talking about general mindset. Yeah, goals and goal setting. It's really important that you begin with an end in mind, and it doesn't have to happen perfectly. And you don't have to flip out when it doesn't go exactly according to plan. But you should know what you want from this and where you want to go with this, and then work backwards from that. Um, so for me, and I'll just give you, this is the way I think, I want to be a full-time original musician. I want to be spending all of my time playing original stuff, releasing original music, writing original music, creating original content, videos, recordings, excuse me, and interacting with fans who are genuinely in love with the stuff that I'm creating for them. Um, that's what I want to do full time. What I, and then I worked backwards and I said, well, I'm not there yet. I need to make money in the meantime. I got bills. I've got a dog to feed. I've got, you know, obligations and I'm trying to enjoy my life also. I, I don't want to like live like, you know, with my mom. I'm 31. I don't, you know, I, I, I want to have like a financial future kind of rolling here as well I'm, I'm not i can't just drop that in the dirt because i want to be an original artist full-time right mm -hmm. now right so way to work backwards from that how can i make some money while not going so far afield from music that i just like forget about it or i'm not working on it um and in a in a way that's quick and doesn't require a lot of my mental bandwidth when I'm at home that is apart from the stuff that I'm long-term trying to do. Right. So that's, you know, maybe a confusing mouthful way to say that stuff, but basically I came up with, look, I'll play bar gigs in restaurants. It'll keep me sharp on guitar. It'll keep me sharp vocally. It'll, uh, as far as a songwriting thing goes, it'll keep me on my toes, like pulling these chord charts, chart apps up, uh, pulling these chord charts up on my app and faking my way through stuff will keeps keeps my improv bone going. Mm -hmm. It keeps my uh, my knowledge of great songwriting. You know, people ask for James Taylor. I'm not a huge James Taylor fan. I probably would have never have learned James Taylor songs. People ask for it, and I play these songs, and I can see how fucking great they are. Mm -hmm. The guy was a great songwriter, um, whether I like the style or whatever or not. And just seeing a song from that perspective, hey, play Fire and Rain by James Taylor, please. I make them say please. I make them play see, say please, damn it. Um, okay, cool. And I play the song and I see how the song's constructed. I see and I start seeing themes like this is stuff that helps me do my long-term goal of being an original artist full-time. And I'm making fucking good money doing this, working four days a week, you know, and I'm 
like it gives me plenty of time to do stuff like this. Like this is my Wednesday. This is my last day off. This is like my Sunday, right? I got I go back to work on Thursdays, and I'm able to work on this type of long term goal. I want um, another passive income stream. Uh, another. I want a first passive income stream by selling a, a course that will help you guys make more money, right? So I'm doing this project that way um, because I've got time, because I've set myself up with a short-term, mid-term career that jives with my long-term goals. Yeah. So this is your goals and goal setting. What do I want from this? Do I already have a full-time job that I find very fulfilling and I want to play one gig a weekend and make an extra 300 bucks? Uh, yeah, that sounds cool. Maybe that's what you want to do. We can do that. Let's set that as a goal. And honestly, that's going to be an easy one. If you're looking for just one primetime gig a week, that is amazing. You're you're in a high leverage position there because you don't need it. You don't need to scrap around and take a shitty gig on a Tuesday afternoon mm -hmm. because you need the money and this is all you're doing. You've got an income and you want to pick up a primetime Saturday night, charge a bar 300 bucks and make 100 bucks in tips and get free drinks and food. You can do that. You can make 400 bucks a week in one gig, no problem. I do it all the time. Um, I make more than that at single gigs a lot of times. So it's like if you want to just really pick your punch and do one good gig a month or, or every other week or one a week, that's a cool goal too. If you want to do it half and half, more like I play every weekend and I've got a part-time job during the week and I want to just book my Saturdays and Sundays and maybe if I can book doubles on Saturdays and Sundays – now, if we're making 300, I'm going to try to be, you know, if we're making two or 300 book, bucks a gig, I'm being conservative here. I make more than this on gigs. You're, let's say, super conservative. You're making 200 a gig. Two, four, six, eight, you're making 800 bucks on Saturday and Sunday if you got two doubles back to back. That's a fucking sick supplemental income if you're doing a part time that's job more during than the most people make when they work five days a week. That's, that's good money. 800 bucks a week is good money, and that's conservative. $200 a gig. I mean, you should be making tips on top of that. That's mm -hmm. my floor rate. 200 bucks for three hours is my floor rate. Um, and I make tips on top of that. Um, and if they're good gigs, it should be a hundred bucks in tips or more, you know? So we're talking three, you know, you're working six hour days. If you include drive time, eight hour days, I mean, come on, man, two, eight hour days, you're making eight, nine thousand bucks a week in two days. Yeah, you're averaging $100 that's an hour. A, that's absurd, dude. Yeah, yeah. And and I do. I've got spreadsheets that... And that, again, this is a recent development for me. This is I, I haven't been doing this. I haven't been cashing these kind of checks for six years. I struggled a lot. I made probably 20 grand several years, you know, minus expenses. And, uh, you know, I don't want to go on the record with exactly how much I made. I'm, I'm talking to my accountant about how much <laughs> how much personal finance information needs to go out in public, but... Um, anyway, goals and goal setting, you see my tangents I go on goals and goal setting. It's important. Figure out where you want to be with this. And these can change too over time. It's not the end of the world to change, but, uh, yeah. What's your role here? What do you want to do? Where are you going? Um, and then you figure out your long-term one. I'd say your long-term first, and then you can do short and medium term goals to help you go where you're going, you know? Um, I think we got one last thing to talk about here for general mindset stuff, right? If you feel that that fits into it. Yeah. So I think flexible systems is a, a good kind of point. Um, it's, this is a little actually closer zoomed in. If we're talking about our perspective telescoping idea, this is a little more zoomed in, right? So flexible systems, Pricing is an idea, is, a, is an example of a system you want to be a little bit flexible with. You don't want to be too rigid. You don't want to be too flexible either. You don't want to be a pushover, obviously, but you don't want to be too rigid. Uh, for instance, with pricing, I, I mentioned on the last episode, I've got this gig. It's a weekly gig. They they pay me rain or shine, August, September, the height of off season uh, in, in Florida. They pay me to be there no matter what. This is a little below my floor rate. I mentioned that my floor rate is 200 for three hours. Um, and that will be for a good gig that I am pretty sure is going to tip well, right? This place, you know, I said 250 for four hours. That's my floor rate for four hours. The guy said, oh, well, I can't do that. The most we can do is 200 for four hours. But I promise you the tips out here are insane. And I said, okay, I'm going to give it a shot. I was a little flexible with it. I am let this guy's point 
be proven or disproven. I gave it a couple weeks. It, I didn't need a couple weeks. My first night there, I made like 250, 300 bucks in tips. I'm walking away with 500 bucks on a four hour gig. I'm very happy with that. And it like it banked like that all through season. It was just like 300 bucks, 300 bucks, three. I'm making five, 600 bucks a night at this gig every time. And it's because I was a little bit flexible and let my floor slide a little bit in this one case. Um, I'll do it. I'll do another thing where I'm booking at places where I'm, I'm getting 150 an hour now as my kind of like go to rate. That's what I quote them at first. And I am, I've been raising these rates with these particular types of venues, which we'll, we'll get into later. Basically, as I've been booking more and more of these types of venues, um, it's a little bit of a secret sauce here, but <laughs> so we'll keep it for a separate episode where I'll, I'll reveal these top secret venue types that you can try to get these higher, higher rates out of. Um, you know, I've been upping the rates on them. It was, yeah, it was a hundred bucks an hour. I thought that was a lot. I was, I was expecting to get no's at a hundred bucks an hour. I just not even a blink. Um, I up to 225 bucks an hour. I had most of them not blinking. I got one like blink at that. Then I'm like, okay, fine. 150 an hour. I got a couple more blinks, but when I get these blinks, I'll say, Hey, look, cause I love these gigs. Even 125 bucks an hour, even at hundred bucks an hour, this great rates. Um, when somebody blinks, I'll say, look, you know, you're booking me. You're trying to book me once a month here. If you do an every other week thing, I can cut back. We can take 20 bucks an hour off of this. We can take 25 bucks an hour. We'll do my my off-season rate or whatever, you know, I call it, which is the, low, the rate right below. I was just like, we can just do my off-season rate or my, I call it my bulk rate. Sell these things in bulk. If you book me every other week, let's do 125 an hour. And they feel like they're saving, and they are, they're saving, you know, three to 600 bucks a month on you. But you are making an extra, if it's three hours times 125, that's 375. You're making an extra 750 a month. That, that ties into the business to business too. Yeah, that's how you're negotiating. Exactly right. You're you're working business to business. These guys have a budget a lot of times, and you're working with them. Right. Let me tell you from the other side, we will respect you a hell of a lot more if you come in with all of your faculties in check. Yeah, yeah. You come in with your rates. You know your fucking rates, and you're saying, "Hey, look, this is where I can be flexible on my rates." Um, That stuff that that makes a difference. That's kind of just confidence thing, Um, and that will come with experience too. But also with hearing me tell you about it. I, I hope you will get some confidence that I couldn't have had three, four years ago because I hadn't, because I wasn't quite sure it was possible. I had to kind of like machete my way through some of this wilderness myself because I didn't have a resource like the one I'm trying to create here with Chad. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so flexible systems, that was kind of went off on a tangent about pay and pricing. Um, how to structure your sets. This is another interesting one. Where do set breaks go? I've been, I've been fucking with this one a little bit myself. Um, so I used to be kind of a snob, and actually I, I had some pushback early on. I thought there should be a uh, there should be a break every hour. So if you have three sets, you should take three breaks. Which if you kind of do the math on that, it's a lot. It's forty five minutes. You take fifteen minute breaks. It's forty five minutes of break in three hours. It's like a lot of break. Mm-hmm. Um, I now do if it's a three hour gig. The most I will do is two fifteen minute breaks, and I think that's a good formula. And like this, I'm just kind of talking about flexible systems don't be married to something just because some other musician told you um another musician told me a long time ago 50 dollars an hour per man is what you should try to get and with the implication that that was like the top that they were talking about mm-hmm. you know it was like you should try to get this i don't think that's my absolute floor floor now like that's like 200 bucks for four hours like i said that is my floor if the tips are phenomenal and consistent and these people are booking me every single week like that is the floor of my floor um, you know, below 50 bucks an hour, I'm not, sh- I'm not showing up. You just, I'm sorry, but you can't afford me. Mm-hmm. I've got way more work than I can handle at much higher rates than that. So, and that's just supply and demand. There's another mindset idea is thinking of yourself as just a business person or even an economist supply demand. What am I providing? What's my value? What is the demand for this? How many of there of me are there? And I don't mean, obviously there's only one of you, but how many people who can do approximately the job I do are there? And that loops right back around into working hard, practicing, being the best musician you can possibly be. Because frankly, there aren't a lot of me's in my area. Yeah, I'm hard to come by. A guy who's great with a crowd, who shows up on time, doesn't get drunk. I don't drink at all anymore. Uh, doesn't get too drunk at gigs. Plays with the crowd. Will make basically anybody in a crowd 
on his side by the end of the night if they stick around long enough. Mm-hmm. Excellent guitarist, excellent singer, kind to bar. Like, a guy who has all this is rare here. I am high-value commodity, especially in this area. There aren't a lot of guys like me. So I can, I'm finding I can charge a premium. I can charge a lot. And if you cultivate some of these things I'm talking about, you will be able to do the same thing. Easy as that. Easy peasy. Mm-hmm. All right. All right, guys. Well, that's going to wrap up. Thank you so much. Two. This has been a fun one. I think I'm starting to get the flow of this. It's feeling feeling like I kind of know what the fuck I'm doing these days. Yeah, and feel free to leave comments as well. And, Please uh, do. We want to respond to you guys, and I want to hear specific stories. Tell me what you're doing. Tell me what... I mean, I want to hear from full-time musicians already. I want to hear from part-time musicians. I want to hear from people who are too afraid to go out and play. I want to hear from even absolute beginners. I know we said this isn't exactly for you, but it can't hurt to start thinking this way. Um, I mean, maybe we're not going to sell you the course, but hop on the podcast and listen and uh, keep, keep in touch with us. I want to hear from you guys. I want to talk with you. I want to even help you book gigs. I mean, I'm currently, you can get us at a cheap rate here. We're brand new. Our attention is not too taken up by this yet. Mm -hmm. I expect this. I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't expect it to be a big success. We both do. Uh, I expect this to start taking a lot of my time and for you to be one of a hundred people trying to get in touch with us. But right now you've got our undivided attention. Hop in, come chat with us. If you're listening right now, you might be like within the first 10 listeners. So yeah, help keep, us keep in touch. Our street squad. Yeah. Get in here, man. Um, all right. It's been real. It's been a lot of fun. I can't wait for episode three. Thanks. Ciao. Thanks, Chad.